I don't know about you, but the way stocks have been going lately, I'm kind of looking forward to the market being closed next Monday. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me today, Motley Fool Senior Analyst Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey. Happy September 1st. Well, Chris... <laughs> I was going to say, I'm so happy that August is over, but in terms of the stock market, September 1st seems to be picking up right where <laughs> August left off. Well, it's it's conflicting, right? I mean, it is, you're welcoming in sort of the idea of fall and like the change in seasons. I love this time of year, but but yeah, I mean, it is it is worth noting, as, as difficult as, as August concluded, um, yeah, September doesn't have a very good track record when it comes to the market, and and so it it's reasonable, at least I think, for for investors to keep their expectations in check here and, and maybe prepare for a tough month ahead. Let's hope for the best. Let's try to be glass half full. But let's just let's prepare ourselves for the possibility that that the tough times uh, may be here for a little bit longer. Let's try and be glass half full. Although I think that's going to be challenging, given that the first thing we're going to talk about is Octa because Octa's second quarter profits and revenue were higher than expected. Their guidance for the rest of the fiscal year was in line with expectations. But shares of the identity management software company are down a whopping 30%. Help me understand this. Management talked about the challenges they're running into with the integration of the acquisition they made of Auth0. I get that. 30%, that's a lot. I mean, this. I, I, I don't want to just come out and say, well, this is an overreaction, but it, it sure seems like one. Well, I, 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 could, I could certainly understand that sentiment based on the, the results and sort of the near-term outlook that management quoted, right? I mean, it, it, was a, it was a good quarter. It was a respectable quarter. And, 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 and at least in the near term, it does seem like they, they feel like they'll have some control over, over the cost side of the business for the remainder of the year. Um, they, they, they suspect they'll, they'll continue to witness the top-line headwinds, but the aim is to focus on improving costs in order to, to ultimately bring some bottom-line performance into the back half of the year. And that's encouraging. But I, I think that when you when you look at there, there was a, a point in the call where and I think this is really what has the market spooked um, management talking about headwinds and enterprise software this is this is not just Okta I mean we're seeing it across the board with all of these all of these companies but ultimately forcing them to reevaluate their longer term targets and so they they basically had pegged this four billion dollar revenue target for fiscal twenty six uh, they they're taking that off the table they're basically reassessing the situation and so. When you look at the longer term picture, when you look at the next few years, I mean, anytime you see management basically take those those aspirational targets off the table to sort of reassess, I mean, the market is going to, at the very least, put things on pause and, and try to reassess as well. It, it, but most of the time, in particular with a business like this, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of a lot of dumping there. I mean, because. Even today, like, I mean, this is still not by any stretch of the imagination what we would call a a cheap or or affordable stock. I mean, it, it's still still valued at somewhere around ten times sales, and I mean, it's a business that doesn't make any money. There's zero profits. I mean, there's zero zero free cash flow. Um, I mean, you have to account for stock based compensation with a business like this. It's forty percent plus of total revenue. 
and and that doesn't look like it's 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 going to be changing anytime soon either. So you put that all together, and I certainly understand I understand the markets the markets concerns today. The stock has fallen to more than a three year low. Uh, in term, you know, you talk about hitting the pause button. I can see some investors looking at this and looking at how far this stock has fallen and think, oh, this this might be a buying opportunity. But it sounds like, based on everything you said, there are enough question marks about where they're going over the next 6, 12 months that it sounds like you personally, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it is it safe to assume that you personally would want to see some progress from the business side before you maybe bought shares of this? I, uh, yeah, I'd say that's a fair statement. I mean, I don't own OctaShares. I've not recommended the stock. I, I do find it to be a, a fascinating business. I, I, I like what they do, generally speaking. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it does feel like there are a lot of question marks that I, I'd like to see a little bit more clarity on. I mean, when you, you look at the Off Zero deal, for example, I mean, integration there is presenting some near-term challenges that's impacted the business. Uh, they they referred to in the call. I mean, seeing the tightening of, of IT budgets, the spending is is being delayed. They're seeing longer sales cycles. It's very consistent with what we're hearing from other enterprise software businesses. Um, you have some leadership changes there. The co-founder and COO of the business going to take a year-long sabbatical. The chief product officer is taking off as well. Uh, and, and then you couple that with just the nature of the business. I mean, the, the business itself, sort of the stage of its life cycle, right? It's still a young business, still growing, still investing a ton back into the business, which of course impacts the profitability picture. And, and that's something to keep in mind as well. Uh, and then the longer-term revenue target now sort of up in the air. I mean, it's not to say this can't be a successful investment from here. I mean, I, I think the chances are pretty good that it will be, actually. Um, I mean, when you look at the actual numbers, I mean, the business continues to perform pretty well. I mean, revenue was up 43% from a year ago. Subscription revenue uh, being, being you know, such a strong driver of the actual business, added 600 new customers in the quarter and now have uh, 16,400 customers, and that was up 26%. Uh, they continue to do well on the larger customer side, too, and the dollar-based net retention rate uh, hold, holding holding the line at, at 122%. So, it, it, there are a lot of positive indicators that what the business is doing, uh, you know, its its customers are liking, right? I mean, they're signing up more customers, they're expanding those relationships. There's some near-term challenges clearly on on that that off zero acquisition that I, I that that'll just that'll take some time, of course, um, and then just to get a little bit more clarity on on where they see the next few years for this business. Uh, I, I think would be helpful for investors. So it, it, it's very understandable on a dip like this to feel like, oh, okay, this is an opportunity. It could be. I mean, if you're interested in this business and you don't own shares yet, maybe this is a time to, to dip a toe in the water. Um, and I'm not, I'm not telling investors not to add shares on this dip, I, but do so understanding the challenges and the question marks that exist, why they exist, and ultimately what we're going to need to see to get some resolution there. I want to get your thoughts on something that happened a little bit earlier in the week. Snap announced it's laying off 20% of staff as part of what appears to be a major restructuring. Uh, Snap says they're going to be focused on three areas, user growth, revenue growth, and augmented reality. And as part of that, they are discontinuing several initiatives, including their 
photo taking drone and original programming and games. And the stock, which has been crushed over the past year, popped about 10%. This is a business you and I have talked about since before it went public. Uh, what did you make of these announcements? Well, I, th I think it's a good move. I mean, I th it's obviously it's a painful move, of course, for, for those who will be losing their jobs. And that's a significant number. I mean, you've got uh, close to 6,500 employees as of the most recent earnings report. So we're talking around 1,300 people that are, that are uh, going to be impacted by this and, and, and their families. And so, I mean, that's something always to keep in mind. So uh, tough, tough, obviously, from that angle. But I think for the business, it's absolutely the right thing to do. I mean, I think that what we've we've questioned with this company over the last several years as they redefined what they were, right? I mean, that 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 redefining of Snap in, into ultimately a camera company, and what does that ultimately mean? Um, in in what came with that was the pursuit of of certain hardware aspirations, right? The spectacles, the the little flying drone, um, think things like that. That really, you know, the investments. They just haven't seen the return on those investments. I, I think it made sense to dabble on the content side because you want to create a reason for people to go to your site or to your app, right? And, and uh, I think oftentimes just exclusive content is a way to do that. Um, exclusive content in the social space, I think, is a little bit more difficult uh, these days, it's it's there there it's tough to differentiate, right? Social social content is is just it does feel kind of the same across platforms anymore. Um, so so you know ultimately they just don't see the returns on those investments. And it's a business that was spending forty percent, still spending forty percent of revenue on research and development, which is a lot. I mean, you look at Meta, it's like twenty five percent. Even even Twitter is something like thirty percent. And 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 it's just it's I think when you look at Snap. And you look at this greater social space. I I think it just it, it it's interesting to see how the space has turned. I mean, it almost feels uninvestable. I mean, I think Twitter is uninvestable just because of everything that's going on with all the Musk stuff and everything. I mean, Twitter to me is just uninvestable at this point because it's such a coin flip. But I think just the greater challenges in the social space. I mean, it just maybe the low hanging fruit has been picked. I mean, they are dealing, obviously, with a very competitive environment. You're seeing TikTok claim a lot of eyeballs there. So it makes a lot of sense for them to really get back to focusing on what they know how to do. Uh, community growth, revenue growth, that all makes sense. Augmented reality, something they love to play in with all of their filters. I mean, those are in line with what they know how to do. I think the biggest challenge, the biggest question mark is, what is this beyond just Snapchat? What is Snap the company beyond just Snapchat? We had some ideas over the last few years of what it could be, but it looks like that's not going to pan out. So now they're kind of back to square one. Um, it really just boils down to what will they be able to come to, to become beyond just Snapchat? And I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know that there is anything that they become beyond just Snapchat. Um, and if that is the case, then from an investor's perspective, you you definitely have to question what kind of growth. Uh, this business could be lobbing up over the next several years because it's it's obviously become a much more challenging environment for the social space.
Uh, I was thinking of you when I, I saw some comments from Joanna Stern uh, from the Wall Street Journal because uh, knowing your interest in augmented reality, she was making the comment that she was happy to see that Snap was continuing to make those investments in AR because, in her opinion, they're doing some of the most interesting stuff with AR so far. Yeah, and I actually agree with that. I mean, the thing about augmented reality, and, and I, the reason why I think it could have such a greater impact, at least at least in the near term, over something like a virtual reality, is because it it's it's bringing the two worlds together, right? I mean, you're seeing sort of the digital world overlaid with the physical world, and I think for for the mass consumer, I think that becomes a little bit more just it's an easier hurdle to clear. You could see where it might have have some more applications in your day-to-day life, whether you're on the enterprise side or on the consumer side. So I, I do appreciate that they'll continue to make those investments in, in augmented reality because they've, they've done so much uh, with it up to this point. Um, there are certain things in regard to mixed reality, immersive technology that are, that are a bit out of their control. And, and, and so we'll, we'll sort of see how that plays out as, as the interface develops and, and, and the consumer considers adopting things like that. But it, it's, definitely, it's definitely one of those things that's very much in their wheelhouse. And, and so to see, them, to see them focusing on that, I think, I think makes a lot of sense. Second quarter results for discount retailer Five Below were weaker than expected. Their guidance was lowered. And yet shares are up 6% this morning. In, in some ways, this, this seems like the opposite of, of what's happening with Okta, um, although not to the same degree in terms of the stock movement. Um, help me understand this. Is this, this seems at least in part due to optimism that uh, CEO Joel Anderson and his executive team were expressing around holiday shopping. That when you go through the conference call, it really seems like they have a plan for the holidays. They weren't revealing... All of it, which I, I I wouldn't either if I were them. But uh, is because uh, Jason, the results themselves weren't great. No, no, they weren't. I mean, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't that bad, but they weren't that good, right? I mean, top line sales up three and a half percent. You saw comps down five point eight percent versus the same quarter a year ago, and that was driven by a decrease in both traffic and ticket. Not surprising. I mean, right? It's it's very easy to believe that traffic is down and and, and the the total ticket is is down as well. Um, but but it does feel like management's very optimistic. In in they made this point in the call, and now it's all about execution. In in what I mean by that is they've really focused over the last couple of years of of building out the capability of this business in making sure to reach their customer. In, in any way, in every way they can, kind of focusing on that omni-channel experience, so to speak. And so you look at the investments um, in distribution, for example. I mean, they they built out this this five-node network ultimately that gives them capability to service basically ninety percent of their stores within one day now. And so I think they're very excited about the investments they've made in distribution and in, in completing that investment more or less. Uh, Bopus. Chris, you remember last week I said Bopus, and you looked at me, you were like, bless you. And I was like, no, that's not it. It's Bopus, right? Buy online, uh, pick up in, in store, right? I mean, that's something that they are investing in as well as, as they pursue that omnichannel uh, opportunity. And, and 
it was just fascinating. I've seen more Bopus this quarter, more mention of Bopus this quarter on on calls than I think I ever have. Uh, which is just it's just funny even to say the word, but they've rolled that out now into they rolled that out into in 100 stores in July. They believe they'll have chain wide rollout of buy online pay in store by the end of September. So again, prepping for that holiday season. And when you consider the state of the consumer and the state of the economy today, right? We're we're dealing with with a heavy inflationary environment. Um, the consumer is is making all sorts of decisions here in, in weighing what to purchase versus what to delay. I mean, it, it does seem plausible, at least, that five below could be a decent uh, option for some holiday season shopping, just given their focus on uh, cost sensitivity, right? I mean, you're not going in there and spending a ton of money, but you can walk out with a ton of stuff. Um, so, so I, I do understand the optimism there. I mean, it, it's not to take it's not to take away from the challenges that the business is facing. I mean, obviously, uh, the the numbers for the quarter weren't the greatest in the world. I mean, earnings per share were down thirty five percent. That was in management's range. It's worth mentioning they pulled back on guidance. They're seeing uh, they, they adjusted guidance down on on sales about three percent, earnings about thirteen percent. So that's something to keep in mind as well. But but they also they're coming off of just a phenomenal 2021 in in the the stimulus that flowed through the economy and, and how that ultimately played out on their business so so they're dealing with a bit of a, diff, a difficult comparable to begin with and and I think uh, investors are, are are keeping that in mind as well so sort of sort of on the fence with this one I absolutely see management's enthusiasm for the holiday season I guess it just remains to be seen whether that actually plays out. I agree with you 100% about the the potential here in terms of uh, everything we've talked about regarding inflation, the the state of the consumer, um, and we have seen sort of this uh, this move towards value shopping. You know, this uh, uh, Doug McMillan and his team talked about this recently at Walmart about the number, uh, the increase in the number of households uh, earning over a hundred thousand dollars a year shopping at Walmart yeah. um, in the most recent yeah. quarter. So. It, it does play into that narrative. There just seems to be on a day when the market in general is not doing well, in a week where the market's not doing well, after a month in which it didn't do it well, I just feel like the five below management team is getting slightly more benefit of the doubt than, I don't know, any other business I've seen in the last few weeks. So I'm not knocking them. I'm not rooting against them. I guess I'm just a little surprised that they're getting this benefit of the doubt today. It just feels like maybe the best thing they've got going for them right now, Chris, today at this very moment, is that they are not in enterprise software. <laughs> and, and chips. They're not in chips. Exactly. <laughs> Jason Moser, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. You got it. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.